Welcome back to Don't Call It A Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. You see me change up the rhythm a little there? Mm-hmm. It was nice. Siri heard it, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take it. We have, we have finished The Vagrant for this episode. Going to be talking about going to be talking about the entirety of the vagrant, what our thoughts were on it, but we got to get a little warmed up. Yeah, Luke, we've been got to we've been kind of cooped up the last uh, week, two weeks, um, and so we've had to find some some things to keep us entertained while we've been cooped up. It's been a lot of movies, been a lot of a lot of TV shows. Luke, I've been watching um, Westworld again with my roommates Ooh, okay great show definitely recommend it i've heard good things um there have also been a lot of podcasts that luke and i have been getting into a lot specifically you mean one specifically (laughs) one that we found that is incredible so if you're not into scrubs skip to the vagrant episode click the click the skip button because we're about if you're to t- not into scrubs i'm surprised that you like our podcast if you are into scrubs welcome home and also you pro- hopefully have already heard about the podcast that zach braff and donald Faison are doing together called fake doctors real friends and mm. you probably are aware that it's incredible I would hope so. It's this is going to sound like an ad, but it's not an ad. I would be I would be hyped to be giving them an ad. But uh it was great. There's one episode out right now so far. It was fantastic. It's fantastic. I loved so it. yeah, Zach Braff and Donald Faison just give like behind the scenes for the Scrubs TV show and are going through and doing one weekly episode per episode of Scrubs. So they just did the episode for the pilot, and they talked all about like the casting process and what everybody on the set was like outside of filming, and had some great anecdotes, some great behind-the-scenes stuff, gave some detail about the janitor's character, how they pick the music. Ooh. If you haven't listened to it and you like Scrubs, give it a listen. It's incredible. It's so good. Right. We're probably going to be talking about it multiple times here because Dan and I are huge Scrubs fans. Uh, and it's it's so, yeah, it's great. I think, um, I think we're going to need to add a new goal, Luke. And one of our new goals for the ooh. pod. Wow. A little collab. So you, okay, yeah, I think we can we can get Zach Braff and Donald Faison on. Um, they, I'm sure they love fantasy books. They, sure they seem are. like the type. Okay, barring that though, I'm gonna say we need to get a question on their podcast. Oh, because they take right. listener they questions. That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, gotta get a question on that. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be working something up. There, there is a Scrubs episode where they do like a medieval fantasy. I feel like that would be mm-hmm. our in. That's the perfect in for us. Yeah, yeah. So 
So we're going to be I'm, working on I'm that. on board. That's going to be our number one goal. Yes, is to get yeah. on Zach and Don's podcast. Man, I just love those boys so much. Give them a listen, guys. <laughs> Give them a Stop sleeping on Zach Braff and Give Donald Faison. Yeah, stay home. Give them a listen. There we go. Uh, also, give us a listen. <laughs> well, you're already, I would... you're already listening. What am I doing? Um, okay, one last quick plug. I don't have a lot to say about this. Okay. So there's a podcast network called Podcastle, and on Podcastle, they have a podcast called Cats Cast. Just listen to one episode of this thing. I'm not going to say anything more. Just listen to one episode. It's incredible. <laughs> i i haven't listened to it yet but i'm excited to check it out dan is a good salesman for that one um yeah okay you want to you want to do you want to do our podcast <laughs> yeah well look i figured if you know if we plug a bunch of other shows maybe they'll hear it and then say that people should come listen to our show Oh, yeah, yeah. So Good Joe call. Rogan, definitely go listen to Joe Rogan. He's super Gosh. insightful. Uh, see, no, no, I but Luke. I want Joe Rogan endorsing our podcast. Yeah, but then like, oh, if, if we could get like just 0.1% of his listeners, that would be incredible. <laughs> That's true. So we're looking That's for that true. Joe Rogan endorse. Yeah. Those All right, let's never, talk about the video. never problematic. <laughs> Let's talk about the vagrant. As we've said, we've finished it. Um, okay, let's do some. Let's do some notes. First off, right off the, the first ba- thing that no, 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 Luke. This is more important than whatever you're about to say. Okay, fair. Who the fuck bets on the bird? Oh my god, I forgot about this scene. The soldiers have gathered around a battle between a goat. And a goose that's looking like it's on its last leg. It's like a gross, diseased goose. And people are taking bets for who's going to win this fight. Who bets on the bird? Are you kidding me? You deserve to lose. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. This is a very good point. However, you described the goat, or sorry, the the bird as like diseased and that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, it is tainted. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean disadvantage. I I think the fact that that people are betting on the bird gives us gives us room to speculate on what kind of enhancements this bird has. Because you're right, no one in their right mind would be betting on a duck or whatever over the goat. Right. However, mm. uh, a duck with a little with a little venom stinger to pull back a, a Dan reference from a, several books ago. I'm going I'm going duck with a venom stinger any day. Okay, okay, okay. We should say a couple things. They describe a little bit what this I was picturing a goose because I was trying to give him at least a little bit of a fair <laughs> shot. <laughs> and I feel like a goose is like at least size-wise similar to a goat. Um, okay, let's go goose. It was mentioned that it's like missing a lot of feathers. So this thing, I don't maybe, think this... Maybe, maybe it's swapping out feathers for knives. Or scales, the more likely one. Okay. Okay, actually, now hold on. 
if this goose has like a neck full of snake scales Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big advantage actually because you're not cutting through that very easily right no no not like a goat is going to really cut through it it's probably going to be more of like a stomping but it's a source of weakness yeah yeah and actually the more i think about it like okay let's say this goose has grown some significant teeth action okay it's got some some big sharp teeth in its beak now i'm thinking goose is like pretty good on the attack and what's a goat's like main move i think just like a headbutt move it's like a headbutt and can you imagine a goat trying to headbutt a goose like a goose it's got that big long nimble neck it's just like dodging around uh-huh. left and right a goat's not going to be trying to headbutt the goose's body that's like six inches off the ground that's too low right it's too low and the 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 center of gravity for a goose is very low incredibly low Ooh, luke are we coming are we going goose on this one i think this might have been an upset oh my gosh well see you yeah okay maybe I feel like, okay. Because goat, here's the... Goat does have stomping okay, wait, wait, action. Wait, let me, okay, true. Let me let me pause for a second. Because the... We know from us reading the book that the this goat is particularly, um, I don't know, stubborn and let's say tenacious. Oh, she rowdy. <laughs> exactly. But the people betting don't know this true but i imagine so they know what betting, a goat is or they're not betting right right, right. So, okay right so they're betting they're betting on an in their mind an average goat versus weird goose mm-hmm. mm. yeah i think a lot of this rides on what the goose looks like though yeah definitely definitely if the goose has sharp talons then i think we've got a fair fight it could have sharp talons. Maybe it sacrificed the webbing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's any, there's endless possibilities. I see. Are you are you picking the mis- mystery of like what's this goose got going on? Because gooses, you already know, as we've talked about in previous episodes, mm-hmm. are uh, just coming at you. Ferocious. Yeah, yeah. They're bloodthirsty. Right. Right. So. I don't know. I may be taking the mystery of what this goose has got going on. And sure, I would have I would have lost. Mm-hmm. But I'm not reg- I'm not regretting that bet, I don't think. I don't think I would ever regret a bet on a goose in a fight. Oh. That's my hot take. Oh, that is an incredibly hot take, Luke. I mean, okay, okay. This this is assuming that no one's setting up like goose versus dragon. Like <laughs> in a in a reasonably set up fight, if I bet on a goose I always feel confident. Okay. I think we've learned a lot about Luke today, everybody. Some would say too much. Okay. We are. I'm going to say <laughs> enough. But I think this actually, Luke, like gives us a little insight into your character, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds mm-hmm. like your character would would totally go for the mystery of what the first is offering. Oh, for sure. If you're betting on the goose, you're saying the first comes to you and is like, hey, I'm going to offer you cool augmentations and like power. 
you're like, ooh, that goose thing didn't work out, but maybe this will. Right, right, right. So, uh, yeah, okay, let's talk about the first for a second. Because the deal that he or she offers, I think I think it specifies he, but um, is kind of similar to the uncivil, right? Like some kind of bargain for some kind of augmentation. Now the uncivil, I'm not taking that deal. No, no. I don't want those. I don't want whatever you're doing. But the first is just giving me like much better physical powers right is my read on it like stronger faster that kind of thing yeah yeah uh yes please yeah the deal we this is the first time we actually get a good bargain right like Mm -hmm. this is the first time in this book where i've been like ooh, you drive a hard bargain the first i think i might do it put her there pal right yeah now i i will say he makes it seem very good, but I don't know what kind of like weird side effects we're coming at or we're coming out of this with. It's a good point. You also, of course, he's going to make it sound super good. Like, of course, he's going to jump out of a mm-hmm. helicopter from like 100 feet in the air and land no problem and be like, join me and I'll give you some of this power. Terms and conditions apply. And you're like, "Ooh, I would love some of that power. And then you get it. And it's like, sure, you could jump off a roof and you're fine. Like you can get an extra six feet on your vertical drop. But you have to sacrifice. Uh, (laughs) But you've got to uh, eat your own boogers to get that power. (laughs) Tough. A tough deal. A tough deal to to figure out there. Well, nobody is reading Um, the fine print right and this is this is the risk yeah right but i mean the thing is though because they're going to the northern continent the shining city i think is what they call it yeah um and like they kind of don't know what they're getting there right well like it's just assumed that it's a good thing the vagrant for sure doesn't know because the vagrant's never been there Mm -hmm. we learn um, I think Urine knows. Urine is the like counselor of the six circles. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he knows. Yeah, that's okay. That's probably true. Some people on there probably know. Mm-hmm. But Urine is the one that takes the deal. I know, which is incredible, right? Urine. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Actually, they do end up taking the deal. They though. do take the deal. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I forgot about that because we we leave with the vagrant and his squad, mm-hmm. and but everyone else, everybody else makes a deal with kind of a devil, yeah. Which which we should say, like, in order to get these cool powers, they have to just like give up somebody, they have to sacrifice mm-hmm. somebody to die. Like, okay, that's not that cool. We should say. I mean, it's not. It's not. I'm not like coming at this. With the mindset that the first is looking out for my interests. I already know that he's not the best dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, granted, I don't know if they have a ton of choice because he's he's kind of holding a gun to their head when he, said, when he gives them this deal. Right. Um, 
but it still seems like the best deal we've heard in this whole book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do think part of that is the deals are getting better as you approach the Shining City, right? Yes. Like the Usurper's Co deal. Well, kind of because like they've, they're, they're playing with a better hand, you know? You mean the people? Like you're not gonna make you're not gonna make a good deal when you're close to the breach because like you don't have, you don't have anything going for you. Right, right, exactly. And so, yeah, the first has to give up a lot in order to get anybody to join him. Um, but mm -hmm. it does sound like it's kind of working for him. So, yeah, he uh, he has style. I'll say that incredible about style this, about this. Like, not just in his move where he does the front flip or whatever out of the helicopter, but the the actual, like, ships themselves, right? Very, like, sci-fi piratey, which I'm into. Mm-hmm. They've, like, commandeered some, into that. some of the Empire ships and, like, messed them up to be all cool and maybe tagged a little graffiti on there. Maybe they put a Calvin uh -huh, peeing sticker uh -huh. on the back of one of them could be uh they you know they come up secretly from the depths and and ambush you i love it sign me up i will say one bad sign mm. from this is when he's like here's the sweet deal for you guys uh but also can you send my friend over there that you guys just found out is a horrible person uh he's with me <laughs> that's not a good sign I mean, granted, you already know that this isn't a good, a good, a good guy. Right. This is literally but... a demon. So I don't know if there's any question of their moral character here. Right. But that was just like, I, I feel like his whole thing was to, was to get this cool style to kind of make you forget that he's a demon and more think of him as a sci-fi pirate. Mm -hmm. And then he's like. Before you make your decision, I just want you to know that I'm, like, really good friends with that, like, horrible pervert guy over there. It's like, you couldn't have waited to say that after I made my decision. Well, look, that wouldn't have been very fair. That's true. Uh, we, we should go back a little bit, though, because we've jumped ahead to this deal that gets made. Let's go back a little bit. Yeah, I have a couple notes from, from a little bit earlier. Let me do let me do one from very early. And I've I have a couple things to say about the the new fly move mm. that the that the commander does where he like puts some essence into a fly and then go take goes and takes over somebody's somebody's body. Um one thing is that the goat is the only one that notices this fly come aboard. And I really would have, like, it w obviously would have ruined the story, but I really would have loved the goat to just, like, eat the fly and save everything. <laughs> yeah, that would have been incredible. But with the fly thing, I kind of get the sense that the powers of the demons, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, just seem limited by their imagination. Right, like they could do a lot of things, and like it seems like some of this stuff is just like 
comes up conveniently and it's like super gross and demony. <laughs> so I I kind of get the sense that they're just like, uh, we need to do something here. This will be a good move and it's super demony. Let's go for it. <laughs> right. The commander is like, hmm, what could I do that's just super gross and terrible? Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, let's do that. Perfect. <laughs> it's also like, dude, why didn't you do something like this earlier? <laughs> this is a good point. I think this is actually explicitly addressed, though, because this happens after the commander does his weird merge with the uncivil. And mm-hmm. he's like having a hard time figuring out what part is him and what part is the uncivil. And I think this is something like this might be a trick that he learned from the uncivil. Like this move might be something he's taken from that interaction he had with the uncivil. So that could be why the commander didn't do it sooner. But then the uncivil should just have like a horde of flies everywhere all the time. Right. Just like taking over people. (laughs) Like, oh, a bunch of things ran away from my weird meat factory where I take people's organs like get the flies on them and so like you can make a whole army of the little weird bone wing things but you can't just send out a bunch of flies to convert everyone so i think i think part of the problem might be the idea of essence that's kind of like ethereal in this book it sounds like it would it would stretch your essence kind of thin to do that because you have to give a little bit of your essence to the things that you're taking over but i i didn't get a great sense for how that worked like if your essence regenerated over time or, or what that what that kind of process was like right i but like to to your point about this being from the uncivil i want to i want to combine that with the idea that like the demon's powers are have kind of few limits it seems like Mm. like obviously some of them are more powerful the uncivil is much more powerful than just some random scrub demon Mm -hmm. but it seems like she's just coming up with new things to do and it's working yes i think you're right but at the same time they're not just like all powerful right like the vagrant kind of slips through without anybody noticing and same thing with fia fia's like living in slake for a while and it sounds like the uncivil just doesn't notice or isn't able Mm -hmm. to do anything about it so i i think it it might also just be a case of we're seeing the cool powerful stuff they can do and we're not seeing when the uncivil's like God, I wish I could just kill that stupid Seraph Knight that's over there that keeps pinching babies, but I have no way of doing that. Right. We're see- we're seeing the highlight reel, basically. E- exactly. We're seeing the highlight reel. Um, and I, I also kind of got the sense when he did the fly thing where he took over Samuel that it was like, this just seems like it would be extremely convenient in this moment, Commander. Like, come on. Yeah. Um. But it wasn't like that far fetched from what we saw with the beginning where the flies transmitted messages um, between the demons. So, mm-hmm. so, so I get you. I get you. 
Um, but, but I think we're just seeing the highlights. Mm-hmm. Something else that I thought was, was kind of in the same vein that I, I had a hard time picking apart was it sounded like the, at one point, the malice, the sword could sense when people were lying. Did you get this sense as well? Um, like, so when are you talking about? So what I'm talking about is it was, it was an extremely brief exchange where the vagrant is talking to, I don't remember who it was, but I, I think it was urine. It was somewhere along like in this time period. Um, either that, or it was when they were in like the slums, uh, and they were talking to the children, but he mentions like somebody says something to him and the sword at his side was like still and calm. And that seemed to be a signal that what they were saying was true. Yeah. I have, I have some recollection of that. I don't remember the, quite the details, but the, I will say the sword's power is hard to put a put a description on yeah especially especially at the end right yes so the sword at the end just like destroys all the demons kind of do you mean at the end when okay okay okay. which 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 part are you talking about because there's there's a couple scenes there's at the end of the flashbacks it does something like this. Is that what you're talking about? Or okay, are you so talking about when it like, go ahead. I'm talking about when the commander gets pwned by the vagrant and mostly the sword. And then the sword like puts something into the commander to just destroy the uncivil and the usurper. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Is it just like, okay, what is that? What did it even do? Yeah, I don't quite know. And so I feel like I feel like there's a lot of potential explanations for this, right? Of like it's like mixing with the night commander's essence that's still in there and it's like had all this time to like kind of build up this hatred to the demons, so maybe it like was able to build up some power to do this thing and like also the night commander was like uh able to sneak in and get super close to the uncivil and the usurper. So like there's a bunch of factors that contribute to this, but it still seems like the sword is crazy powerful. Mm-hmm. So I guess I get it. I get why the, uh, the shining city wants it so bad, but I wonder if they know. Well, okay. They, the shining city also makes it seem like the sword itself is gamma. Mm hmm. And I don't, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little confusing to me what exactly, I mean, I think that's the point though, right? Like to be, to be pretty opaque about what exactly is going on here. Um, which is, which is pretty interesting. I, the, the one thing that I feel confident about is the, the sword's ability to be like, well, I forget the name of the, the sword in the Lord of the Rings that like, glows whenever there's an orc is near sting yeah yeah. it's basically like that where it, it vibrates or whatever whenever there's uh 
like essence mm-hmm. or someone is tainted or something like that. Right. Right. That one I've got down. Yes. <laughs> it definitely does that. The rest of the powers I'm not sure. I just know it's like pretty good. Like pretty good. Pretty good powers. <laughs> right. Right. Uh and it seems useful for the vagrant who is who is not talking. It seems incredibly useful for them. Can we talk about Harm's eyes for a second? Yes, let's talk about Harm's eyes. So we last episode talked about how the the deals that people are making with the uncivil are absurd. Yeah, correct. Because because most of the pictures that I got were like uh I don't know, like limbs sprouting out of your chest or something like that. But Harm gets some new eyes that are, like, pretty neat. Able to do some things, like, be really empathetic, I guess. (laughs) He's got those empathy eyes, yeah. But I... this, This turned me around a little bit because clearly there's a lot of good things good augmentations that I was not thinking about that the uncivil is able to do. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Like that seems like a very, uh, I don't know. Like it's not just you get an extra arm. Like, no, but I feel like the branding, the branding is all off, right? It, this is the problem, Luke. Okay. The people mm-hmm. who are getting the cool augmentations, like eyes that can see when somebody is lying or that can like see what people are feeling, that's a cool augmentation, sure. Somebody who's getting mm-hmm. like somebody who's getting an augmentation that is actually useful, I think they're they're staying kind of quiet. But it's the freaks who are out there and loud and proud and like repping it on the street. You know, it's the people who are just like mm-hmm real freaky with it who are so it's like it's like the loud minority kind exactly, of exactly exactly and most people are walking around like yeah we get it you got a tentacle on your back put it away and like chill like go about your work like everybody else okay i've got bat hearing okay but you don't see me walking around with like a bat cape flapping from building to building <laughs> trying to get into character which is a mistake i will say but okay, yeah, that's a very good point because I would think the people the people that are doing the the what I would think of as the good surgeries are probably um thinking it through a little bit more and like getting the cool surgeries but also like not the horrifying ones. And they I, I don't know how exactly to go about this. These are the two types of people who get a tattoo. I, There's one type of person <laughs> who is going to spend like months researching. Maybe they get a temporary tattoo first of the tattoo that they want to mm-hmm. see if they like it. And then they get the tattoo after they're confident that it's what they want. And then there's the people who get drunk with their buddies and walk out of the bar and say, let's get a tattoo. I don't know of what. Let's just pick something when we get there. And these are the people getting this tentacles. This is a perfect analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Now I... Oh, man. 
I mean, I've to be fair, they get matching. They get matching tentacles with all their buddies, right? So that's kind of cool. You got the squad, the tentacle squad. <laughs> Great name. But yeah, every other day of the week when it's not Saturday, those guys look like idiots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, who? Yeah. Who's to, who's to say which one is better? Speaking of hasty medical decisions, Luke, Harm and the Vagrant decide incredibly quickly to put a chip in their baby's head that they just heard about for the first time today. Right. Okay, 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 okay. Here's my question, though. Like, do they are, is this already a thing that they know about? Or is this some new technology that they're like, oh, okay. I don't think the vagrant knows about it. Okay. I I don't know if Harm knows about it or not. I think he might. Because he seems to think it's important for their the child's future, for Vesper's future. Mm-hmm. But also, we're not going to get a second opinion on this. Yeah, you go second opinion. You also ask for more details. Like, because I have to think that there are different types of chips. <laughs> You're saying there are there are the chips that fall in the category of parent who gives their kid the iPad to just shut them up while they're at the airport. And there's the chips that are like the hooked on phonics type of stuff. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I mean, I have to. I, I mean, yes, but I also think that there's got to be several different like there's maybe <laughs> this this would be problematic if this is the case but if there's like a arts and humanities chip versus a like math and science chip whereas some and some parents are like no you're going into the stem field <laughs> or is there like chips with 8 gigabytes of ram and chips with 4 Right, you get the you get the chip S versus the chip X. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One's got turbo mode. Right, right. One's got the extra large screen in the back. If you're on a long, you know, car trip or something, you can play a DVD. And there's got to be there's got to be trade offs, right? Like the one with turbo mode, uh, uh, hums really loudly. <laughs> Right, right. But the turbo, if you're on a math, like at a math test or something, oh, need an extra 20 seconds to finish writing my name at the top of the paper. Hit the turbo mode. Maybe one of them that's, has a monthly that's subscription. That's the part of the math test. You know one of them Ooh, has yeah. ads, right? One of them has ads unless you pay a $5 a month. One of them's got ads. One of them's got Spotify premium. Um. Yeah. That's for sure. One of them's it. got Netflix. One of them's got Hulu. Mm-hmm. There's got to be differences. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay, okay. To to your actual point, um, I it very much depends on how much they know about it. Because if they don't know that much about it, I'd be like, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't want you just like operating, but if they, if they know that a ton about it already and it's like a very well-established thing right? that like everyone has, right. I think you can make that decision 
like decently quickly. Like if this is the decision to give your kid glasses or not, I get it. Like there, it makes perfect sense. Like, yeah, of course. Fine. But if it's the decision to like put a computer in your kid's brain as an experimental like trial, maybe spend a little more time thinking about this. And also, I should we should say this too. Vesper, it sounds like, isn't really going to use it that much. Because at the end of the book, they're just in a house by themselves in the woods. So she's not talking to all her buddies. Ooh, maybe she's using this to Snapchat everybody. She's like, ugh, the service is terrible out here in the woods. LOL. Dog filter. (laughs) And she's like Snapchatting all the kids she saw in The Shining City as they walk through. Yeah. It was them sharing their their contact information. Ooh, that's useful. Right? I wonder how much it, like, shapes their personality and that kind of thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, if I all of a sudden learned that I had a chip in my brain that had potentially shaped a lot of who I am, I'd be like, Mom, (laughs) um, can you tell me a little bit about this? Walk me through why you thought this was okay. But if it's just, if it's just a, uh, I don't know, a little thing that makes my brain go a little bit faster, I guess that's okay. I don't, I think there's got to be some side effects that I would be concerned about. I think so too. I mean, okay. So to to bring it back to uh, a series we just finished, Luke, if this is a draw situation, we're loving it. It could be a dross situation. Ooh. Ooh. Is there like a little, is there a, a voice in there? I think there is a little voice, if I remember right. Because at a certain point, like after the operation, Vesper is like kind of tuned out to what's going on around her. And I think the person who's explaining it to the vagrant says that she's like learning to hear the voice Ooh, of this thing. Okay. Let's let's take that as true then. That makes another like it's but then what if it's a shitty voice? <laughs> it's like a voice designed for a kid but it never changes. So it's just your it's always Barney. Or like it has a personality but it just doesn't mesh well with your kid. It's tough. They just have completely What if different the voice interests? is an extrovert and your kid is an introvert? Yeah, that's a that's a rough way to go. It's a risk they gotta take, though, Luke. I will say, it's, I will um, say. Yeah. Last thing about this, I actually like that they went with it because it was kind of it kind of goes counter to what you think is gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of counter to the you know the vagrant being super protective of this kid and saying like no, don't touch it, but actually being like persuaded by arguments like no, we should let them do this because it'll help them in the long run right so i kind of like appreciated that they did give the kid the chip uh also then because we get somebody else talking in the book which is nice <laughs> yeah you know but but i liked how it, it uh yeah. kind of counteracted that trope of protective parent not wanting anyone to touch their child in any way right it was like the vagrant was 
originally an anti-vaxxer, but then actually saw the like information and correctly changed his mind. Right. Right. Which is how we know it's a fictional universe we're living in with the vagrant. <laughs> okay. My next note is we talked about it a little bit already, but the, the commander turning around and going and killing the uncivil and um, uh, the usurper. The usurper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This this tied up nicely for everyone. Like, uh, kind too of. nicely. Ah, uh, kind of. Like, so sure the usurper's dead, but the usurper was directing all of the demons in the realm to find the sword, and sure they were doing a few other things along the way, like murdering people and taking their organs and stuff. But they were all focused on one thing. Now, oh, they can just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of them probably love taking people's organs and were being a little bit held back because they were trying to find this stupid sword. Ooh. So I don't, That's a good point. I don't know if this works out any better. So I think it probably works out better for the Empire. Because I think without the usurper being like the commanding force, it's much more chaotic, right? Mm-hmm. Which I should also say this Empire doesn't sound that great, actually, which we'll get back to. No, it actually sounds really bad. It actually sounds yeah. terrible. Okay. Um, but so it sounds like, in terms of like nations fighting each other, big plus for the Empire here. But for like the people living in the territory with the demons, oh no. You've just become like entertainment almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll buy that. And so so it kind of ties up nicely for the people who were pissed at Malice and trying to get back at the Vagrant. But for everybody else, oh, I don't know. I don't know, Luke. We should... Speaking of that, too, is it fair that the Vagrant gets to just chill now with the sword well okay let's say this because this is the first this is the end of the first book in a trilogy i think right absolutely but it sounds like the vagrant's plan at the end of this book is to just fucking kick back put on some margaritaville and hang out with his buddy harm and his baby vesper Mm mm-hmm and this sword that slays demons. They're all just gonna hang out on a hill somewhere. Is that is that cool? I don't know if that's cool. I'm I mean okay, so I would say if that's if that's the case, I would say no, because it's like what's the point of the mission? Like, what's the but, point of having this dope sword? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think this might have been just like a breather though maybe i mean i could okay i don't know if he's going into retirement like okay i could justify it based on the fact that like he already went through kind of a lot of shit and i don't think there's necessarily anything obligating him because what okay what i assume he would think to do is go back and save more people from the meat hook stuff that he has like found um 
But I don't know if there's like necessarily anything that says he has to go do that, right? Like to a certain extent, he also deserves to have like a nice life too, right? Okay, yes. However, if you're going to do that, like you can't take the sword. That's a fair point. Yeah, it does kind of un- like you can't make you can't make this whole mission about getting the sword to the city and then just like take it and go sit in a cabin. I don't I I have to I think that he's like all right, I put in my my uh PTO request for the next 2 weeks and then I'll come back and hit the ground running. He's like, we got to get Vesper reading those Harry Potter books because that'll keep her occupied for like at least two years and then I can go down and slay some more demons. But I cannot take that baby with me again. That was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, if if he was just expecting to like hang out, I don't, I think that's, it's not a, that's not fair, but I don't think that's the case. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think he just wants to get one final cookout, maybe a house party, now that he can talk. Right. And then he's shipping out. Right. Maybe. Maybe. But it it could also just be like he got to the Shining City and saw what he had been fighting for, and it was like terrible. Like it was not very good at all. And he was like, well, I should just go hang out in the woods for the rest of my life, I guess. Like there's not really anything worth fighting for anymore so like sure i could rescue all those people but then they're gonna get put through this purification process that will kill a lot of them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. i'm not really rescuing anybody you know what i mean yeah i don't know so i don't know i don't know what what the vagrant's thinking at the end i don't know I do like to think he's got a little cookout going on though. But but they're using the sword as a uh as a griddle. Ooh. You know, like he does with his leg at the They end. gotta be doing some some cool things with the sword. Yeah, yeah. They've got the sword griddle going on, doing smash burgers. Come on down. Plus, now that the vagrant can talk, because I I think he can at the end. Yes, he can, because it says he's talking um, with harm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got to have had some good jokes stored up. Uh, he's got to tell some stories. He's been Maybe developing he's the greatest riddle of all time. And he finally hits Harm with it. And then Harm doesn't talk for like three years as he's trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Gets pretty lonely for Harm being a blind mute, but, you know, it's fine. Oh. Um, okay, let's since you mentioned it, let's talk about the the empire a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't have specific notes about it, but what do the seven do? Sounds like complain a lot. <laughs> uh so I get the sense, and this is from coming from the vagrants monologue like inner monologue about it that the seven are just like ancient sacred beings that sure can do some like cool magic tricks 
but I it doesn't sound like they do anything that substantial for people. Like it sounds like they're just sacred. Um mm-hmm. and especially because at the end when the vagrant is potentially going to return the sword and then chooses to not return the sword they're like oh yeah go out and kill all the demons like do all that stuff great go for it and then come back to us and he's like he says his only word of the entire book which is no um it makes them seem really impotent it makes Mm -hmm. them seem like they can't do anything they're just kind of for show and it kind of seems like a metaphor for the empire itself in a way like it's not really good at doing much it's just kind of for show at this point yeah like I can the seraph the, the only thing is the 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 last scene with the first where he gets onto the continent and he can like feel the seven from very far away i don't really know what like feeling that is or what they can do mm-hmm. but it seems like they actually do have real power mm-hmm. for something i just don't know what it is yes i had forgotten about that that's a good point maybe there's some kind of like barrier that they're keeping the demons out but maybe they're just lazy you know like they're really powerful but they're really old and they don't want to do things they just want to like take their stone nap they want to sit there and maybe and be... gamma was the like hyped up one no i think gamma, gamma was, like, was. Okay, guys, let's go. yeah yeah i think that's true yeah because they don't seem that surprised when gamma wants to go back like when gamma doesn't want to chill with them on their stone chairs they're like oh yeah you always were the one to go get it like go get it gamma get after it go wild could be um but yeah i i definitely got the sense that it's like throughout the book we were waiting for this to be like the good deal right like this was gonna be the place where the vagrant finally gets the good deal but like nowhere was giving him a good deal or anybody a good deal right like everywhere the vagrant went the society that was there sucked in one way or another like nowhere was there a society that was like good and cool and i think that's kind of what harm was talking about as he's trying to explain why he's following the vagrant to the hammer that walks where like the vagrant is able to capture this idea of what people should do to each other and like that's why people are following him but like nowhere else is this does this exist like even in this like shining city that's supposed to be like utopia it's kind of awful (laughs) Ooh, deep right harm is very deep harm is incredibly deep but i think he's cheating (laughs) with the with the eyes eyes, i think he's cheating yeah like he's like yeah, stealing that's a valid point he's like stealing it from other people and then claiming he thought of it himself he's like oh uh you know why you always procrastinate getting your homework done uh it's because when you were a child um you didn't have a great relationship with your father so that translates into poor work ethic today so <laughs> 
and they're like, he would be a very good psychiatrist. He would be an incredible psychiatrist, or at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they should have kept... Or at least very good at convincing you he was a good psychiatrist. Which is all you need to do as a psychiatrist, right? That's how you keep getting paid. Ooh, tough hit. Obviously not. We love you. <laughs> Therapists and psychiatrists, you do good work. Okay. Uh, lo- one last note that I have is... I don't know how to pronounce his name. The merchant guy in Verdigree. Like Ezzy, I think? Ezzy, yeah, let's go Ezzy. He doesn't sweat. Do you catch this? No. Okay, okay, okay. There's a a scene where he's like leading the three people rolling the barrel, right? Yeah. In the the kind of weird like passive tone that 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 the narration takes, it's like, he hadn't needed to sweat in a long time the leader hadn't needed to sweat in a long time and i don't know what that means maybe this is part of his like augmentation right this is another example of an augmentation where where it's not (laughs) explicit but he's just like man i hate the feeling of being sweaty and laying in the like grass in the summertime i'd love to not get all itchy and the uncivil was like, yeah. I could I could give you like okay. wings or something if you No, you just want the sweat thing? Alright, fine. Here's the sweat thing. Now I'd like your firstborn child, please. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably right, because I I came at this and the way it's phrased made it seem like a big deal. Like, oh, maybe he's actually some monster thing, but no, I think you're right, just some augmentation that makes him not have to sweat. I mean, alternatively, it could just be a statement that he hasn't had to work hard in a long time. Like, he hasn't had to do physical labor in a long time. Could be, but that's still wild. But I like our hypothesis better. Yeah. Yeah. Can you only get one? No, that's an aside. (laughs) Uh, Definitely not. You can definitely get more than one. Yeah, you you go. Yeah, definitely get more than one. Um, Okay. Do you have any more notes? We need to bring it full circle on a theory and then we'll get to reviews. Okay. A theory we've been talking about this entire series is about the green revolution that's happening in this world that the demons are bringing about. I'm going to say we basically get this theory confirmed in the end when we get to the Shining City. And here's why. The Vagrant's biggest complaint with the Shining City is that it's like, old and decaying like it's an old empire that's long past its prime that they're just trying to keep the same for the sake of appearances right they're not trying to Mm -hmm. advance in any substantial way they're not trying to move past what they what the technology used to be thousands of years ago they're stuck in their old ways okay and what old ways are those, Luke? We already saw the snake war machine that's like belching black smoke into the air. It's that. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff is mm-hmm. powered using like coal. And I'm going to say it's all coal powered. I'm going to say the big, the big shining cube floating in the sky, like a hundred miles away, there's a coal fired power plant that supports that entire energy structure to keep that cube yeah. operating. Yeah. Yeah. Because it takes tons of energy. 
Exactly. It takes a ton of energy. It's extremely inefficient. And they're generating that energy the same way they have always been, which is pulling out carbon out of the ground and putting it in the atmosphere. Okay. And the demons are out here trying to change the paradigm, trying to change things up. <laughs> so you're saying, you're saying the, the old decaying civilization could have come up with all of these, these new innovations that maybe make things better but they're they're so um, they're so stuck in their ways that their innovations are like clean coal and natural gas. They're not like rethinking the entire system. They're just trying to like do some tweaks around the edges. What they're doing is when the climate starts warming as a result of their bad energy practices, they're making ocean cities and building boats to go around on the oceans okay they're building the six circles instead of rethinking how they're generating energy in the first place okay they're looking at climate change and saying how can we make this to our advantage the demons are coming out and saying no 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 more of that you know what stops the first luke it's a big cloud of smog he hits the smog layer and he's like (laughs) "Mm, no they're not ready yet <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Maybe when he says he feels the seven, he really is like the air pollution here is terrible. <laughs> nope, they still haven't learned yet. They're not ready. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board here. So that's what it is. I I think we've seen great evidence of this and you know, the vagrant sees all of these possible solutions to the energy problem. And what he decides to do is just live off the grid. He's like, I don't want to be even be a part of this energy landscape. I'm going to go live off the grid entirely. See ya. So that's smart. it. Smart. That's huh? some would keep say that. that. Keep that. Uh, keep that footprint small. Incredibly small. Yeah. Okay. Love the theory. Confirmed theory. Um, you want to talk, you want to talk, uh, reviews, thoughts on the book? Yeah. Let's talk thoughts on the book, Luke. Okay. I'll, I'll go first. So my thoughts on this book are a little bit mixed. Mm. Cause on the one hand, I actually really liked it because it was like very unique. Um, the, the, like passages about the goat and the baby were very fun to read. Um, and a lot of the way things were written was very cool. And I enjoyed that. However, I wasn't actually that into the story. Mm. Like I, I wasn't, it, this wasn't one of those books that I was like super excited to get home and read. You know what I mean? Like our our next book that we're going to read that we'll talk about in a second is a book I'm assuming, or at least the first one was a book that I had to, I really struggled to wait to do our podcast. Whereas this book was like, eh, I can, I can wait. So kind of mixed, mixed here. Yeah, I get that. I, I agree with you on that front in terms of like the story wasn't incredibly engaging to me. Like the... The conflict between the commander and the vagrant 
I didn't feel like had a lot of weight or tension to it. Um, I was never like super concerned with what was going to happen there between the two of them. And their like fights never seemed that epic and intense. Um, Like the ending one was starting to get there, but it didn't feel like this epic rivalry. When, when I got to the end of the book, it was like, Oh, the commander and the vagrant were like the rivals throughout this whole like story that we were, that we were reading. Um, so yeah, the story also didn't draw me in super deeply. Well, that's not true. So <laughs> the story didn't like capture me like I, I think some other books have. But I will say that the like tone and world building in this book were, I thought, phenomenal. So the I would agree with the that. tone of this story was incredibly dark and it like sold that tone very well um and the world that was constructed fit that tone extremely well um so i thought that was a great success um i also really liked the interesting like storytelling dynamic that was at play here where the vagrant didn't talk and so you almost never learned what was happening through dialogue it was always through narration um which like i enjoyed a lot um is a very unique way to tell a story and i liked it um i'll probably read the next one in the series i don't know if we're gonna do it on the pod or not but we'll see um but luke should we talk about what we are going to be doing on the pod next yeah, yeah, definitely. We have we have mentioned it already a couple of times. Next on the pod, we'll be reading the second book in the Red Rising series. Uh, I think it's called Golden Sun. Golden Sun by Pierce Brown. We have already read the first book, Red Rising. If you haven't yet, get on it. Listen to our episodes on Red Rising. And get ready for next week when we start the first third of Golden Sun. Yeah. Uh, Luke and I had a hard time putting it down when we were reading Red Rising uh, a few months ago. So get ready to be engrossed by a story. Until next week, Luke. I'll, uh, I'll be here thinking of hot takes. Acting like a dumb nerd. <laughs>